Welcome to season two of NSQ. I'm Priscilla Britton, graduate of Brixton Finishing School, the creators of the Ad Academy, an online course from industry experts for untapped talent. This season, you'll hear from even more of the people behind the creative industry's best work. And if there's a question you want answered, but wouldn't ask, send it to us on socials at Brixton F School so I can get you the answers you want. On our last bonus episode for season two, we spoke to a non-fresher, Ashley de Guzman, who started her career in the creative industry with no university education. Today, we're talking to Alec McGrindle, Digital Director at Code Your Future. Today, Alec has two decades of industry experience, no uni education, but a host of career successes. Throughout his career, Alec has consistently followed his curiosity. In the late 90s, he had an interest in the internet, which we now refer to as Web 1.0, the World Wide Web. He went from school to learning the necessary vocational skills to lead teams at Tumblr and Yahoo, where he explored creative ways to use media, which he continues to do. At Code Your Future, Alec makes coding accessible to all, regardless of background, work experience, or education. I hope you're as excited as I am to hear what Alec has to say to non-grads entering the creative industry. I want to take you back to the beginning of your career and ask you what you did to stand out in your very first application for a role in this industry. So the, the thing that I did first time I was working in this industry or came to this industry that stood out was probably other than the fact that I was from a privileged background, which is at the time, you know, has to be acknowledged. But the other thing was that I was really curious about the technology at the time. You know, I, I was, this was at the start of the internet and I'd learned how to code by myself. I wasn't going to be a developer. I wasn't going to be a coder. I come from art school. So I like did I went to the the um, South African version of the Brits Academy. I I did sculpture. I mean that didn't really inform my my career that my career choices or the industry I wanted to go into per se. It was more that I just want to say that I was somebody who was more interested in the creative side. Was more interested in making stuff, visual things, you know, doing design rather than coding. But it was me learning how to code that allowed me to get in this, into the industry because I'd come as like added this extra skill to my existing set of skills that was relatively unique at the time and because I mean I was very fortunate the internet was really quite new so again there wasn't as much competition it was incredible there were lots of people who hadn't studied coding who were getting into coding who were all learning it by themselves or you know going to boot camps or reading books or there was no YouTube at the time but yeah I'd say that it was it was the skills that I'd managed to learn by myself um, and the competence I developed in those skills but then also the kind of unique environment at the time I was very fortunate people the world needed coders and also I was again I was probably really curious like I have reasonable soft skills I'm generally quite a fun person to work with uh, and that helps as well I love that so it's a real mix of like soft 
soft skills and hard skills. But I think one thing that you mentioned there is around curiosity and that ability to diligently find like a nascent category to throw yourself into and learn in a way that unless you've dedicated time and attention to other people will just not have that skill. Now, this might be a difficult question. Can you see any gap at the moment or any spaces for people to enter and really learn and be ahead of the rest? Gosh, it, it is quite a difficult time. It's, you know, obviously the growth of the internet over the last 30 years has meant that most people will develop some kinds of skills, you know, even just by like posting selfies on social media, right? Or like editing and posting selfies or making videos, whatever the kids on TikTok are doing nowadays. To find that niche in terms of a new technology than it was for me in the 90s. You know, I think even technologies, all the sort of web three things, um, learning stuff like how to you know, learning things like unity or doing 3d or maybe blockchain stuff there's, there's a certain amount of it is you know the blockchain industry and, and just all the sort of new technologies haven't quite matured to the point where they are there's huge uses and there's huge industries and so even if going into an area where there's not that many people there's still enough competition that it's not super easy to get in anywhere it's not like you just learn unity and you're going to get a job tomorrow you probably still need to work a little bit added. So in terms of learning a new technology, I, I think you probably need to either keep looking or just develop something. And that's probably my main advice, develop something, even if it's not niche, develop like some, just, just get good at something or, or show in like, if you're a younger person, you're just getting into something, you're not going to master something right away, right? You just want to show whoever you're interviewing with in, enough promise. You know, you want to show your thinking, you want to show your approach, your curiosity, your passion and enthusiasm, and they'll, they'll do the rest. They'll see your potential you know, they've got the experience to see where you could go and help you along the way. So it, it is a tough question just because I don't, you know, I don't see any sort of clear, there's nothing like the internet was in the late 90s, but there are loads of, there are loads of new things emerging. And so if you do pick something, you know, just, just really get into something that you enjoy, right? And then just follow your passion rather than to being too worried about following the money just yet. We were talking there almost the early stages. So what you can do to sort of like present the best version of yourself and then how some responds to it assuming now you've been selected for a position you're in the right building. i'm excited already <laughs> what can you do to progress in your role you know one of the most admirable things for me with regards to progressing in your role right from when you start as a junior person is to do the things that you say that you're going to do in roughly the amount of time that you say you're going to do it and if not tell people so good communication skills and delivering on you know your promises whether they're informal or formal promises to a client that really sets people apart don't be afraid of asking for help especially when you're new you know people expect you to need help if you're doing your bit if you're showing the work and you get stuck and ask for help that's part of the process if you're in a healthy working environment there's going to be people who are going to enjoy helping you that, that's you know that's what they're doing as, as senior people so yeah like the number one thing is is just getting stuff done that you say that you're going to do that will really set you apart from quite a few people and then after the things like learning and and competence and enthusiasm soft skills are super important when you start actually as well i'd actually add that as a, another really key thing you know being a team player and being a team player doesn't mean just you know keeping quiet as well it's just asking questions contributing to conversations you know listening really well i feel like that's such solid advice and it seems really simple but i suppose it harks back to something bigger which is like building trust with your team because i think if you can do that then you have the opportunity to be given more exciting projects and more challenging projects 
shifts in working closer with your team and feeling like you're more useful and can contribute more, which I think ultimately everybody kind of wants to feel when they're in the workplace, spending a lot of hours a week there. That's right. <laughs> yeah, um, no, that's, that, that's, that's exactly right. You know, I really like the way that you said that. That thing about, you know, when you're a, now I'm a senior person, I want to know where somebody's at. So as you said, it's, it's a trust thing. I don't expect a junior person or a mid-level person to do everything. I, you know, I expect them to, there are certain things that I, you know, that we hire for and presumably, you know, we looked at the portfolio correctly, then know what we're getting. You want to know how to work with somebody as a senior person. You want to know how they're going to work in a team. And if they're demonstrating that reliability, they're demonstrating the ability to communicate even when they're stuck or need help. That, that really helps. As you said, that really helps the team move along because the team is full of lots of different people at different levels. As you said, it's like that kind of approach really helps you work well in a team. Are there any points from your own experience where you were like you faced a stumbling block and you had to really find a way to overcome it so there's lots of project-based stumbling blocks i've encountered and those generally can get overcome by you know good teamwork a little sometimes some late night work or a little bit of research but probably the main challenge i've i I overcame later in my career because i'd been a manager for quite a while and i'd started to lose some of the skills that i developed as a younger person when i was first in the industry while i developed some good management skills you know management is a thing in itself like to do it well requires some effort. I was really, because I like making stuff, I really wanted to get back to making things. So I started volunteering and that's how I got into the non-profit space. I started, you know, taking courses and self-learning to improve some of the skills that I, well, lost or were a bit underdeveloped. I think that's so interesting on a lot of levels. Like one, in terms of the learning never stops. But I think the other thing, which kind of made me laugh, but sorry, and I probably shouldn't say this, but on the internet, I feel like there's a lot of memes about about like, oh, my manager will ask me to do the most basic things, like to PDF something and send it across or like whatever it is. But what you realize (laughs) is that the day-to-day changes, what you do maybe like 15 times a day and you're used to, and the skills that you learn from like the day-to-day work isn't going to be the same for somebody who's managing an entire department. Sometimes there's going to be a gap and that's okay. But like, it's the attitude that you have towards it? I'd say having just thought of it, I think there's one additional tip I could give to people who are looking to find a, a niche in, in today's job market if you're if you're not somebody who's going to university and that is to look for technologies or, or craft skills where there's probably not a lot of university degree competition. A good example I give in design is right now you can study graphic design at university because it's 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 a, a kind of skill set that ex- has existed for a long time. It is a if you go and study graphic design now in a university, you will do digital design, but what you probably won't do a lot of is UX. So UX and, and UI or interface design, these are skills that a lot of people develop after going to university. These are vocational skills and things that you can develop on your own. And that would be the same for other technologies. You know, I mentioned something like Unity earlier. And it's always good to probably always find somebody in the industry to ask questions um, about your learning journey. That- 
that I think is something that is often overlooked, especially for people who don't feel like they've got a big network or they don't know anybody in the industry or field that they're trying to enter into, that it's a daunting task to even yeah. like reach out. But I think hearing somebody in your position say to do that should really inspire confidence that there are people who know why you're sending that message and are happy to respond for the opportunity to sort of like help you on your merry way. I um, just want to say thank you because there were loads of gems that you've shared that like I think I've personally found really useful and I'm sure listeners will too but I just wondered if there were any sort of like closing remarks around the journey from school and to work or advice for people who've not had a university education anything at all anything that triggered a thought in our conversation you know have a nice time it's a really interesting time in human history in the past people were not able to do jobs that they really liked in order to get by and nowadays there's still lots of people who are doing things that they don't necessarily you know they're not super passionate about maybe they're really passionate about their families or going on holiday and you know i'm, I'm, I'm not going to judge them more able to find jobs that are fulfilling than Historically, there are lots of other challenges in the world that I'm not going to talk to, but generally speaking, we are able to, we we have the tools and the technology to sort of do the things that we want to do and and follow our own kind of path more than in more than before. But then with sort of AI and looming technologies, you have to be really mindful sometimes of the skills that you're learning, because at some point, you know, if there are things that you may learn now that computers may do better than you in a few years time, if they're not already better. So it is really important to like, do something that you really enjoy and it's fun getting good at stuff that you like that would be my my suggestion I love that and I think also for people who are still in their parents homes and they have maybe a slightly different outlook because of that need to work versus choosing what interests you as a vocation I think explaining that tension is really powerful because you can kind of see it in your own home but you should empower yourself I suppose to make a different choice that you've made a really good point there because it it doesn't come easy to to get a job in it is not easy it doesn't it doesn't happen instantly you know I literally I I read a book that said learn html and I I got a job almost right afterwards that world doesn't exist anymore I mean maybe with blockchain at the beginning or whatever's coming next you know there'll be these little moments where you can learn something and just get a job because there's nobody it's super popular and there's not a lot of people doing it but for the rest of everybody else you know it's a slog you know you enjoy the process of learning as much as the the rewards of of getting a job in it but yeah it's it is hard so yeah all the best yeah good Good luck luck, kids (laughs) (laughs) well that's it for the recording so thank you so much i really Um, enjoyed it oh good because i i did as well so thank you genuinely it's absolutely my pleasure i you know i do it because i know there's a lot of people out there who were in a similar position to me again you know i had uh, i had some privileges when i was growing up um but at the same time, like I, I struggled. I didn't mention this actually. I did struggle with with ADHD quite a lot, which is why I, one of the reasons I just I had a, a I have a learning disability, and uh, it, it has been problematic for me. But I have generally overcome it. And so, if I can help people who are not going to university, uh, with my through my experience, then that's good. 
Thank you. And thank you for sharing that as well. And I think hopefully give hope to other people who are finding it quite difficult right now to like stay really focused on doing those hours and getting that learning in. But you can get to a place where you've done it and you, you kind of are good at a lot yeah, of things. Yeah. <laughs> so that's inspiring. Cool. Thank you again. Have a lovely afternoon. Thanks for listening to season two of NSQ, No Stupid Questions, a podcast brought to you by the Ad Academy, a new online course from industry experts for untapped talent to help you understand how the creative industries work. Also, new news, on the Friday following the episode release, which usually drops on a Thursday, our guests will take over the Brixton F School Twitter account to share the gems that didn't make the episode. So check it out. And always remember, success isn't always getting it right. It's learning.